Think public takedowns or mass moral outrage, and social media is often the arena. A tweet, the weapon of choice. But people have been called out, vilified, and openly flogged since, well, forever. And it usually involves some form of prejudice or privilege, either way. Let's take one example, a WTF moment during one of the biggest events in live television. How an alleged wardrobe malfunction exposed much more than a body part, derailing a pop icon's career. It's so contentious that we are still talking about it 17 years later, and there could be yet another twist in the tale. Welcome to Cancelled. I'm your host, Cam, and this is the show where we look back at some of the biggest and most bizarre attempts to cancel people, corporations, and even countries. You may think the subjects of our very rigorous and academic study deserve public disdain. You may think it's all a gross injustice, But it doesn't matter, because all of them were judged in the court of public opinion and ultimately canceled. The Super Bowl is a big deal. Janet Jackson at the Super Bowl? A very big deal. Control, Rhythm Nation, Velvet Rope, I mean, one of music's greatest performers on perhaps the biggest stage of all. Game on, right? It's the 1st of February, 2004. The New England Patriots are leading the Carolina Panthers 14 to 10 at halftime in Houston's Reliant Stadium. More than 70,000 in attendance, around 140 million watching in homes across America. Janet, Miss Jackson if you're nasty, steps up dressed in an Alexander McQueen black leather kilt and bustier. She flies through a medley of hits including All For You and Rhythm Nation, sandwiched between appearances from Kid Rock, P. Diddy, and Nelly. Suddenly, Justin Timberlake, Pop's heir apparent, appears having just thrown on whatever to pick up a six-pack from the store, I don't know. He and Janet break into justified hit Rock Your Body, and things really start getting hot in her. Timberlake says the line, better have you naked by the end of this song, then rips away the right cut from Janet's bustier to reveal her breast, which is adorned with a sunburst nipple ring. She looks shocked. Blink and you'll miss it because 9 16th of a second later, it's gone. Cue pyrotechnics, cameras zooming out and MTV's electoral message of choose or lose flashing up on the screen. To appreciate the confusion that follows, let's hand over now to the executives and production team. Jim Steig, the NFL's point person for the halftime show, is in the command booth at the stadium. Mike Pereira, the vice president for officiating, turns to him and says, hey, did you just see what happened? Stieg says no, so they watch an instant replay on TiVo. Google it, kids. And there it is, staring right back at them. Stieg calls Sally Fertini, who was producing the halftime show for MTV. He says, quote, You could hear in the truck they were all kind of giving each other high fives. End quote. The party doesn't last long. Michael Powell, FCC chairman at the time, is sitting with neighbors. Oh my God, if this really happened, my day is going to suck tomorrow, 
he tells them. Powell heads home, reaches for the TiVo, what else? Turns to his wife and says, oh yeah, my day is really going to suck tomorrow. And it does. Do you ever wonder how celebrities order food? Like, is Sarah Paulson a Diet Coke or a regular Coke girlie? (laughs) Some peasant Coke? No. Or how does Sofia Vergara order a pizza? No, no, no tomatoes. I cannot eat tomatoes. tomatoes? Are you killed mushrooms? Not really. (laughs) If these are the details you need, and I know you do, I have the podcast for you. I'm Jesse Tyler Ferguson, and on my podcast, Dinners on Me, I take some notable friends of mine out to dinners in Los Angeles and New York City. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. That thing was delicious. NFL Commissioner Paul Tagliabue calls saying that they had nothing to do with this. Then it's an executive from broadcaster CBS claiming they knew nothing about it. The FCC receives a record 540,000 complaints. People are baying for blood. Powell, under fire, condemns the moment as a crass, senseless, and deplorable stunt. Was it a stunt or an accident? Timberlake seems hyped in the immediate aftermath as he speaks to Access Hollywood. Quote, it was fun. It was quick, slick to the point, end quote. Co-host Pat O'Brien adds, you guys were getting pretty hot and steamy up there. Timberlake replies, hey man, we love giving you all something to talk about. By midnight that evening, his tone has shifted dramatically. Quote, I am sorry if anyone was offended by the wardrobe malfunction during the halftime performance at the Super Bowl. It was not intentional and is regrettable. End quote. MTV says the tearing of Jackson's costume was unrehearsed, unplanned, completely unintentional, and was inconsistent with assurances we had about the content of the performance. Janet apologizes briefly that evening via MTV. The next day, she releases her own statement and appears on CBS News. Quote, The decision to have a costume reveal at the end of my halftime show performance was made after final rehearsals, says Janet. MTV was completely unaware of it. It was not my intention that it go as far as it did. I apologize to anyone offended, including the audience, MTV, CBS, and the NFL. End quote. By the way, MTV and CBS are owned by Viacom, which could explain why that feels like a personal grovel. Judy McGrath, president of MTV Networks, calls the incident a renegade mistake by a performer. But which one? The one who's just been grabbed. Oh. Tom Freston, chairman of MTV Networks, wades in. Quote, We were really ripped off. We were punked by Janet Jackson. Interesting choice of words, ripped. Let's lean into that. Janet is gifted, but who knew her powers extended to mind control, willing poor JT to expose her like that? He was booby-trapped. The following week, Timberlake projects some serious victim energy in an interview with station KCBS. Let's call this his Crimea River Complex. He then tells them he got a call from Janet and her choreographer telling him they wanted him to rip her bra off. I think he means at halftime specifically. And that he was shocked and appalled to discover a breast underneath. Surprise! 
So, no wardrobe malfunction? Hmm. Janet's publicist clarifies in a written statement that Justin was supposed to pull away the rubber bustier to reveal a red lace bra. The garment collapsed and her breast was accidentally revealed. Makes sense, right? Well, here's where things get very interesting. One man, personally aggrieved by what becomes known as Nipplegate, is Les Moonves, former CEO and chairman of CBS. Ironically, someone with a history of being a little too hands-on with colleagues. According to sources interviewed by the Huffington Post, Moonves believed this was a deliberate attempt to stir up controversy. Janet's attempt. MTV is removed from producing future Super Bowl events, which fuels his rage, as does CBS being fined $550,000. Janet's first punishment is the upcoming Grammys. She declines to apologize on air, according to Entertainment Weekly, so Moonves shuts the door. Timberlake is allowed to perform after making a contrite, tearful apology. He picks up two awards, saying, quote, What occurred was unintentional, completely regrettable, and I apologize if you guys were offended. End quote. Moonves also orders VH1 and MTV, subsidiaries of Viacom, to stop playing Janet. Her next album, Demita Joe, released in March, still goes platinum, but it's her worst selling since 1984. Minimal support from MTV for the Call On Me video from follow-up album 20YO suggests that Janna is still being blacklisted in 2006. And 2008's discipline doesn't even go gold. The Super Bowl also results in her leaving a film project where she's set to play Lena Horne. Even Disney World turns its back on her, dismantling a Rhythm Nation-inspired Mickey Mouse statue after the backlash. The ultimate humiliation. Seriously, though, Super Bowl was a major turning point in Janet's career, and this fixation on her reflected something deeper and darker at play in America. Compare the treatment of both stars, and clearly a cancellation campaign was being waged against Janet by big and small C conservatives. YouTuber and filmmaker Johnny Harris, referring to a 2009 study by Shannon L. Holland, looked at the coverage of 200 newspapers and how choice of language shaped perception of the incident. He explains, quote, In half, Justin Timberlake's involvement is mentioned in passing. It's not the focus of the article. And one-third of them don't even mention him. End quote. Next, the words. He points to the New York Times calling this Janet's breast-bearing fiasco. Another article says she flashed one breast. The Washington Post claims she deliberately flopped out of her dress. Little or no mention of Timberlake, the agent that's doing the action, as Harris says. This framing reinforces negative stereotypes about Black female sexuality, the Jezebel image. Not even the feminists show up for Janet after this. In interviews, Timberlake gets an easy ride, portraying himself as the innocent bystander. On MTV in 2006, he sidesteps the issue in favor of WMDs, making only a small concession to women of color. Quote, I'm a part of a community that considers themselves artists. And if there's something more that I could have done in her defense that I could have realized, then I would have. But the other half of me thought, we still haven't found the weapons of mass destruction and everybody cares about this. This. End quote. Wait, 
Isn't Janet's breast the real WMD at this point? And how about this effed up calculation from Timberlake? Quote, if you consider it 50-50, I probably got 10% of the blame. End quote. Well, as Cal Jewel screams on YouTube, he didn't even get 10% of the blame. The media painted him a victim of her. Meanwhile, Janet is pressed on the subject by Letterman for more than 10 minutes in 2004. In 2006, she confesses to Oprah her disappointment in Timberlake, like, what has he done for me lately, but still handles herself like a queen refusing to trash a friend in public. Quote, All the emphasis was put on me and not on Justin. Certain things you just don't do to friends. Certain things I had heard kind of leaving you out there hanging. End quote. It isn't until 2009 that Timberlake moves towards a personal apology. He tells Entertainment Weekly, I wish I had supported Janet more. I'm not sorry I apologized, but I wish I'd been there more for Janet. Hmm. I think he's still saying he's not sorry. Okay, time out. We'll come back to Timberlake soon, but this thing is way bigger than him. What's really going on? How did this moment, 9 16th of a second to be precise, prompt national outrage and a congressional hearing? Particularly when FCC complaints, although a record number at the time, comprised around only 6% of the viewing audience. Here's a quick sidebar on indecency. To better understand why a nipple triggered so many, you have to place it in its historical and political context. America was in the midst of two very visible wars, one in Iraq, the other in Afghanistan. There was a third, says Billboard Shira Carson, a cultural one, quote, fighting between the First Amendment principle of freedom of speech and the desire to protect the minds of its youth. Howard Stern's radio show was one of the most popular shows on traditional network air and the real world with its jacuzzis and naked three-ways was MTV's claim to fame, end quote. Advocacy group The Parents Television Council, PTC, partners with the FCC to crack down on smut. Nipplegate becomes the key issue. PTC founder L. Brent Bozell calling it the lowest common denominator of sleaze. It is no coincidence that 2004 is also a presidential election year. Halftime producers at MTV are supposed to help get more young people to vote. Can you see the conflict there? Against this backdrop, Nipplegate becomes both distraction and obsession, a desperate attempt to preserve all that's wholesome, virtuous, and good about America. And the fallout is wild. In Knoxville, Tennessee, a woman files a class action claiming damages for suffering outrage, anger, embarrassment, and serious injury at halftime. Over in Laguna Beach, parents petition successfully for the cancellation of an MTV reality TV series at a local high school. CBS imposes a seconds-long, blush-sparing delay at the 2004 Grammys, the first of its kind. The maximum FCC fine for indecency on public television and radio increases tenfold. Can you smell the hypocrisy? Offended by a breast, Janet's breast, in a world where violence is commonplace on TV and at an event where cheerleaders are presented like titillating eye candy. There is also a chilling effect on entertainment. According to the podcast, You're Wrong About, a scene in The O.C. is edited so you can see the man orgasm, but not the woman. E.R. cuts out minor shots of nudity. 
20 stations refused to show Saving Private Ryan on Veterans Day for fear of sanctions because of the swearing. As for the NFL, they swerved female artists for the next six years, instead turning to distinguished rockers such as Bruce Springsteen, Paul McCartney, and a reformed prince. Janet Jackson is the most searched person in 2004, 275 times as many searches as the male streaker who ran on the field before the second half. Forget that guy. And in 2005, above the Iraq war, bird flu, and the London bombings. Although Nipplegate becomes the most T-boat clip of all time, attracting 35,000 new subscribers, guys like Jawa Karim still can't find it easily. So, he co-founds YouTube. Yeah, what about social media? Well, it didn't exist back then. So it was harder to boycott a star or mobilize support online for movements such as Free the Nipple or Me Too. Had it existed, Janet would have had a direct line to her fans and could have steered the conversation better. Changed it, perhaps. So it's interesting to consider how platforms such as Twitter have revived this story and tipped the power balance. In 2018, Timberlake is invited to headline halftime at the Super Bowl, his third appearance. That's right. She is blacklisted. He is promoted. Janet's fans are incensed. They demand hashtag justice for Janet, for the ban to be lifted. Another duet. In fact, just step aside Justin and let her take over. The NFL denies any ban exists, but they're hardly extending an invitation to Janet either. You have people such as Frattini, the MTV producer in 2004, declaring themselves a JT supporter, praising how he manned up and talked about it all, while I don't think she, Janet, handled the situation as well. We hear Timberlake and Janet have reconciled in private. Okay, he doesn't have to update us, but at Call Me Dollar makes a good point. Quote, the same way she had to publicly apologize to America, he should have publicly had her back and he didn't. The end. End quote. Except it isn't the end. A couple weeks later, Super Bowl Sunday is hijacked by hashtag Janet Jackson Appreciation Day on Twitter. During his performance, a jamboree of 11 hits, Timberlake makes light of the event by stopping Rock Your Body just before that infamous line and going, ah, like, gotcha. Some laugh, others keep their receipts for what follows. Into 2021, and it's the eve of another Super Bowl. The documentary Framing Britney Spears has everyone talking about conservatorships, mental health, and you guessed it, hashtag Nipplegate, which is trending on Twitter. Fans are riled, remembering how Timberlake benefited from his relationship with Spears by portraying himself as the betrayed in songs such as Crimea River and What Goes Around, while Britney was repeatedly slut-shamed. He seemed to enjoy touching on their sex life in interviews with the likes of Barbara Walters. And remember that infamous, okay, I did it, boast? Spears, on the other hand, was accused by ex-ABC anchor Diane Sawyer of causing him pain. The internet does not forget and comes for Timberlake hard. Demanding action, at Breebury's posts, 
What are Joe Biden and Kamala Harris's plans to finally make Justin Timberlake pay for his crimes against Janet Jackson and Britney Spears? Under fire, Timberlake finally responds in an Instagram post. Quote, I am deeply sorry for the times in my life where my actions contributed to the problem when I spoke out of turn or did not speak up for what is right. I specifically want to apologize to Britney Spears and Janet Jackson both individually because I care for and respect these women and I know I failed. The industry is flawed. It sets men, especially white men, up for success. It's designed this way. As a man in a privileged position, I have to be vocal about this. End quote. So, individual apologies, but really, a two-for-one delivered 17 years too late. Hmm. Would they even have got this without the documentary? He grabbed. She was vulnerable, yet Janet faced the consequences. Nipplegate was never just about one star's career. In 2022, it's not so easy to shame and pass judgment on a woman's body, particularly when so many of us are scanning for the slightest echo of misogyny, white privilege, or systemic racism. Which is why fans may come for Timberlake again. If anything, just to make an example of him. Whether this kind of mob justice is acceptable, whether it's about retribution or progress, well, that's up to you. The makers of Framing Britney Spears are working on a documentary about Halftime 2004. We're told it's going to be all about the fallout and the suits who effed over Janet at Viacom. This year, Janet is releasing her own two-part doc to coincide with the 40th anniversary of her debut, Janet. A chance to also set the record straight on the Super Bowl? You'd think. Who knows, we may even crack the greatest mystery of the 21st century. Did they plan this big reveal or not? This episode was written by Amar Patel. This is a Broccoli Production. 